I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Fourth and final hour, Dale and Holly with Keith Dale off today. He'll be back on Monday. So it's Holly and Keith Sports Radio, WEEI. It's a Freestyle Friday. It is a Patriots Friday as well. If you missed our Bill Belichick interview, we will replay that for you. Come up around 545. But right now, Michael, let's... uh, bring in former Cavaliers general manager David Griffin he joins us now David it's Rich and Michael how are you hey guys I'm well thanks I first I guess I just want to ask you it was it was a crazy week really trying to figure out what was going on with the Celtics and Cavaliers trade what are your overall thoughts both in terms of what was given up but also ultimately how a future second rounder had to be what pushed this deal through well, I, I think in terms of what was given up, both teams, this is a really rare deal that two teams that are vying for the finals against each other both really benefit from a deal. I think Danny got exactly what he was looking for, and I think in terms of asset value, uh, Kobe Altman and his team did the best they possibly could as well. So from that standpoint, I, I was really impressed with the deal. The second being the piece that got them over the hump, um, I think it was really more just a, a sign of an understanding that maybe Isaiah is a little worse off than they thought. Um, maybe things weren't quite as they were presented at the time of the trade call. So I, I think that's just an admission of that in some level, but no, nothing significant. Do you think? Uh, do you think it was handled the the right way? I know a lot of people said, "Wow, you can't deal with uh, the Cavaliers after this because they agreed to a deal and then they seemed to renege on the deal." Uh, how, how how did you? What's your assessment of how it was handled? Well, I, I don't think that's fair to to either team actually because when you, when they did the trade call, they were making the deal based on everything they knew at the time, and. As part of the call, they get the week in the off season to do the physicals that they did. So, unfortunately for Boston and Cleveland both, Isaiah's imaging uh, wasn't really up to date since the playoffs. And so when they did additional imaging, it showed them that the progress maybe wasn't what they wanted it to have been. So I think they just got new information. I don't think it was reneging on anything. It's just taking full advantage of the time you have to do the physical. And I think Boston was surprised, but I, I think they did understand that things were, were maybe different than they had even thought. Now, you've known Kyrie Irving for a long time. When did it come out to you that, you know what, he may want to go somewhere else despite the success that the team was having? Well, I think anytime you're trying to win a championship and that's the only goal that's going to pacify your organization it's you're either all in or you're all out and i think Kyrie was was struggling a little bit um to really uh, embrace what we were trying to do even as we moved through the season there were times where you could tell that he wasn't quite comfortable so it didn't surprise me uh, in, in terms of when I found out, I, I found out like everybody else did when it became public. You know, you said he wasn't quite comfortable with what, what you were trying to do in Cleveland. What was it that made him uncomfortable? Because for us, outsiders looking in, uh, going to the finals three straight years and Kyrie having some big games, he looked very comfortable to us. What, what, was, what was the problem? 
I think ultimately for him it was just a function of, of comfort level within the system. Um, Kyrie, there were times he was asked to carry a very large scoring load, and there were times that he felt like he was called upon to be a playmaker. And I, I just don't think he ever got really comfortable um, this past season with what we were doing on, on both sides of the ball, really. Um, and, again, I think that's more a function of just system than anything else. Ky- Kyrie really, I think, struggled being taken off the ball at times. I think he needs to have the ball in his hand to have more of a feel for the playmaking aspect of things. And when you're taken off the ball and asked to play two a lot and then you're asked to play one, I think it was just a different, difficult adjustment for a young player. We're talking with former Cavaliers general manager David Griffin. Uh, I guess my question would be as far as how hands-on was LeBron James? When you guys brought him back into the fold, all the roster moves thereafter, how much was he uh, in, in the fold there? Well, LeBron's tremendous in, in the fact that he was a great partner in the process. He was no more, no less involved than you would ask him to be. Um, he was never somebody who came to us with any of the thoughts he had. Um, and yet he was very willing to share his thoughts when we asked him. And as I've said many times when we were building the team, you know, we were trying to build a family. And I talked to several members of the family about people we might bring in at different times. And LeBron, being a basketball savant, had really, really good insight when you would ask him for it. And he's an incredibly coachable player. I, th- I think people have a perception of him as making demands and trying to run something, when in reality all he's trying to do is lead his team and, and be the best player he can be. And when you ask him for insight, he'll give it to you. How about Dan Gilbert? Uh, did you find it uh, difficult, particularly last year, working with him, for him? No, I don't, I don't think that's fair to say at all. I think it's difficult for everyone in an organization. Again, when you enter the year, if the only thing that's going to mark success is winning a championship, sometimes the pressure of that can be greater than other organizations. And having been in Phoenix when we were very good, but our goal set wasn't quite winning a championship, it's a different level of pressure you feel when that's the only thing that will mark success. But uh, we were really blessed to have an ownership group that supported the process of winning at a really high level, and Dan was a huge part of that. Uh, LeBron, I uh, was just looking back over just to make sure I got it right. I saw him. Uh, he, he tweeted uh, at you uh, the night that uh, it was announced that you and the Cavaliers could not come to an agreement. He seemed to be surprised that you were you were moving on. Uh, did it surprise you that, that you couldn't come to an agreement with, with Gilbert, or is that something that you kept quiet until uh, after the finals and you knew all along? Yeah, I, I think we just sort of arrived at a point where we knew on that day that we had grown apart from, from what we really were trying to do with each other. I think we had different views of how we would go about doing it, and it was just the right time for both of us. Um, you know, I have nothing but positive things to say about the experience I had, and I'm really grateful that Dan was as open-minded as he was to, to the things that we were trying to do throughout that period of time. And when we arrived at the point that we were better off without each other, it was time to act on that. How concerned are you know, the front office, or is the front office in Cleveland that LeBron could leave them once again? I don't know. I can't speak for those guys because I don't talk to them about those things anymore. I, I can tell you that when I was there, it wasn't something that dominated our thought process. Um, I think we look at LeBron as somebody whose commitment to Northeast Ohio and, and the fans, and, and particularly the kids of Northeast Ohio, is is absolute. So if he's 
looking to do something else and feels like he needs a greater challenge for everything he's done for the organization and the city certainly earned the right to, to make those decisions. But I don't think anybody looks at it as a very likely scenario. He goes anywhere and it, it doesn't really dominate anybody's thought process. How can, uh, in your opinion, how can Boston best maximize the skill set that Kyrie Irving has? Well, I think Brad Stevens being as, as good as he is at, at using the pieces that he has, I, I think will will do a sensational job on both ends of the court with Kai. I think, you know, the Celtics teams, particularly because of Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder, I think had an identity of a sort of a grit, overachiever, toughness to them that maybe this team has, has gotten a little bit of a distance from. And I think that's because Brad and Danny were, were so keen on getting more skilled offensive players. So I think what will really be interesting is to see how they gel together. There's been so much change, and in particular when your identity changes, maybe on both sides of the ball. Um, there, there's a lot that Brad's going to have to do there. So in addition to incorporating Kyrie, he's got to int- introduce and incorporate a whole new system, I think. So it will be a lot of fun to watch as a basketball fan. I just remembered something. I was supposed to do this off the top. I, I was been telling uh, yeah, Rich Keith. I was going to be telling Rich Keith all week. Hey, when we talk to David Griffin, I'm going to apologize to him because yeah, David, we saw you on the jump a while ago. This is before Kyrie was traded, and you mentioned Boston. <laughs> and, and you mentioned Boston. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, David Griffin is way off on this. It, Boston is not even one of Kyrie's teams. There's no way he's coming to Boston. <laughs> And so you were right. You were ahead of the curve. Is it? Did, now, I thought you had misspoke there because, no, it wasn't public. So you knew that Boston was one of his targets? Yeah, so after after his trade demand became public, um, and frankly, I don't know that it was ever actually a trade demand, but I think it was just a conversation that maybe shouldn't have been shared publicly. But once, once that whole notion got out there, uh, Kyrie and I did connect and talk a little bit about what, what it was he was looking for. And you know, Kyrie and I remained pretty close, and so I knew Boston was potentially a good fit for him. So, okay, let's – like uh, you, you were you were in the series. You saw it just like we did. Cleveland won the Eastern Conference Finals in five games. It was almost like a five-game sweep. Uh, it really was a lopsided <laughs> conference final. And you know it. I mean, yeah, we was, know it. it you was, know it. it. We, was, yeah. we don't have to pretend that it was. It was something. We're not going to make it something that it wasn't. It was. Uh, it was lopsided. It wasn't really competitive for a long portion of the series. So now you got Kyrie Irving on the Celtics, and they've made some moves. Uh, the Cavaliers have made some moves. Who's the better team? Well, first of all, I think in fairness to Brad, that, that series was lopsided because their best offensive player was, was playing hurt throughout it. So I, I think that was a, a sort of jaded look at those two teams. But I, I think as I, as I look at those two teams moving forward, they both had a lot of change, and, and that's difficult. Um, but I think I'm going to side with Cleveland just from the standpoint LeBron, who I call cheat code, is still there, and as long as cheat code's around, things are things are probably pretty bright for you. I, I just wanted to circle back to the trade, how it was agreed upon, and we were all talking about it. I was celebrating it. Michael didn't like it as much, but I, I, we were talking about it, and then it took another week for it to finally go through. And I'm curious, as a GM, do you see two teams being held up over a, over a second round pick, and then say to yourself, you know what, I might not want to do a deal with that team because they're going to agree to it, and then they're going to come back asking for more later on. 
Yeah, I mean, there's certainly teams that you're you're leery of doing business with because of whatever they've done in the past. But I don't think this is a good example of that. Again, this is one of the first times since the new CBA was put in place that the waiting period during uh, the off season was a full week. It used to be 72 hours uh, to get physicals done. And oftentimes these things happen and nobody really knows what went on. So if there was any fault here, I think it's that everything became so public. Um, I think that was a mistake on, on the part of whoever it was that leaked that information. But it happens often that a deal will end up in limbo for a period of time and things are uncertain. And unfortunately, this just played out in a very public way. Right. Have we seen um, have we seen the range of of Kyrie Irving's game or do you see something else that, you know, maybe we're, we're not looking for? But just for example, this is unfair, but just to see where I'm going with it. Russell Westbrook gave us something else when Durant left. We saw something else from James Harden when when uh, Mike D'Antoni just gave him the ball and said, be the point guard or whatever. Do you, do you see a jump like that with, with Irving, or is it just going to a different system is a better fit? Well, I think you've seen evidence of, of the full Kyrie in, in sort of fits and flashes. I, I don't think you've seen what he can be in full over an extended period of time. Um, the closest thing to that is probably his stint with USA Basketball. I think he gets to be the most complete version of himself with that group. Um, so the way he's played on both sides of the ball in, in that setting, I think, would be indicative. Um, he would have individual games and individual halves with us where he would have 10 assists and a half, by way of example. I, I think he can do anything that he needs to do at any given time. And fortunately for us, he did most of his damage in the playoffs and in the finals. And one of the things that you really have to appreciate about Kyrie, the bigger the moment, the better he's likely to play. And I think that's really significant. Okay, I need you to ease my mind or make me have a terrible weekend. I don't know. What, what, this can go either way. This can go either way, David. But the, I'd hate to think I have any bearing on that. <laughs> you might. You yeah, might, you uh, depending on what you say. Now, uh the one one part of the reason I'm having a hard time with the trade. I'm a big Isaiah Thomas fan, and I'm also a fan of draft picks. <laughs> so <laughs> this Brooklyn pick, just assuming, I'm not, I know you're not making a prediction, but let's say it's it's assuming that the, Brooklyn is in the same position uh, they were in last year, and that's a top pick. When you look at this draft, I keep hearing about all the big men in the draft and how oh god transcendent some of these guys are. Do you look at this draft? I know early stage and and see the same thing? Is that your analysis, that this draft is uh, for gifted big men? I think it's potentially a very good draft. But, I mean, at this time of year, there have been a lot of drafts that were supposed to be really good, and they turn out to be much less significant than people think. So I think it's really hard to handicap that. The one thing you know for certain is if you don't take the opportunity to get a 25-year-old multi-time all-star who's an Olympic and NBA champion when you can, those opportunities don't come around often. So I think Boston did the right thing for them. And, and again, I think Cleveland, given the circumstances, made the best deal they possibly could. But some time to make the finals and, and beat Golden State, nobody's going to care that they have a draft pick in the fold. They're, they're going to be worried about the here and now. David, last thing, uh, what do you think the chances are of Kyrie Irving signing an extension with the Celtics? Well, I, I think I would I would handicap them as being very good, but that's only because of what I know about the Celtics organization and Danny, Danny Ainge and Mike Zarin and, and Brad. I, I think they're the kind of people that he's going to connect with and he's going to appreciate. And 
I think they've already proven over a period of time that they do a tremendous job of connecting with their players. So I don't see why Kyrie would be any different. And you think he's a uh, he's a good teammate? There are a lot of reports out they didn't talk to his teammates for a couple of games during the playoffs. Uh, I think that was on on ESPN actually, uh, one of those reports. And and their their comments that he's just a little different guy. Uh, how would you uh, uh, characterize him as a teammate? Well, Kyrie got to us as a 19 year old who had played 11 college games, so he was essentially a point guard coming out of out of high school. Um, and in that situation, he was a very immature kid who hadn't really grown into the notion of being a leader. And I've seen him grow and evolve every year, and I, I think he's gotten better and better in that way. He's he's not unlike a whole lot of superstars in that he can be moody at times in terms of how he's playing can sometimes dictate his mood. And the outcome of games certainly dictates that. But I don't think he's in any way a bad teammate, and I, I think the people in Boston are going to enjoy him as a human being a great deal. All right, he's David Griffin. Thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have Thank you, David. And you're going to be fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think so. I think I'm going to make it. I'll be all right. Thanks so Breathe much. Easy. Yeah. Breathe easy. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to make you feel a little bit better, Mike. Yeah, Thanks so bit. much to David Griffin, former uh, Cavaliers general manager. rave about the draft. No, he didn't. I, no. I put my hand in the air because he was like, yeah, at this time every year people say it's a great draft, and then sometimes that falls through. I agree with that. But that answer about Kyrie Irving as a teammate. I don't know about that one. <laughs> Come on. What happened there? Well, He's gotta, moody? Waiting for it. Waiting for it. Oh, okay, there it is. At the end. People in Boston are going to enjoy it. But yeah, they will. On the way He was there. very immature to start his career, yeah. which but, makes sense. He was 19. Yeah. He was barely in college for less than a year, and he's mature. He's 25 years old now. What did you think? Honest, uh, trying to get another job. What did, what did you think? Uh, right on the fence. Kind of a little bit of both. On the fence, yeah. Like, I think he gave us a, a few things. He, you know, he admitted. So he doesn't think that the holdup in the trade is as weird as you and I do. And now he's a, he was a GM, so yeah. he would know. But the idea that it was public is concerning. So maybe things like this do happen a little bit more often. But the fact that you're talking about star players that were being swapped, we're all talking about it. And then, oh, no, no, we're not. And then you got Adrian Wojnarowski saying Tatum or Brown might have to be in the deal. And then a first-round pick has to be in the deal. And then ultimately a future second-rounder gets it done. Now Griffin admits, hey, yeah, there are certain teams in the league that you don't want to deal with because maybe it's not as easy. He doesn't think this is an example of that. But I'd, we'll see. I, let's wait and see what the next Cavaliers deal is because I don't know if you're going to be wanting to deal with them. Right. And I think, um, look, he's – you know, he knows – it seems like he respects Ainge and Zarin. But yeah. he really knows the Cleveland people. Yeah. And so is it unusual? Yes. But he, these are I'm, – I'm guessing he's got a friend or two left in Cleveland. He might. I mean, so, how old is Kobe Altman? Is he like – 34. 34 years old. Yeah. 34, 35. Max. Yeah. So, I mean – he actually went to uh, – he got his master's in sports management at UMass. I think my, a buddy of mine was in the same program as him. They got a great program. Yeah, they do. So he, he yeah. was there. But at 34, you're looking at him and saying, all right, David Griffin, who had some experience, he was gone. They couldn't figure out a way to bring him back. Then Chauncey Billups was going to get the job. Then he, he leaves. And it doesn't seem like Dan Gilbert – how much power does the GM have there? When you have both Dan Gilbert and LeBron James, at least maybe for a year. Well, he called. Well, he said it. I gave you the answer. Remember, I, I kind of oh looked, yeah yeah partner. Yeah, he was a great partner, and I guess that's what it is now in the NBA. If you have a 
And then this is going to be interesting because the Celtics haven't had a player like this. They haven't had a, Celt- a player where they consider him a partner. You don't have to when no. you don't have a top five player. And I'm guessing the top only top five, top ten player who's not a partner is Kyrie. I mean, is, is uh, Kawhi. I don't imagine Kawhi oh, yeah. kind of. Probably doesn't even want to be, and they don't need him yeah, to be. They, they've got it figured out figure out down there. But the rest of them, if you're going to have a yeah. top ten player. I mean, if Darren better, Williams was with the Nets, yeah, like you said yesterday, going through that whole You've got to talk that talk with them. You've got to yeah. make them feel, even if they're not, you've got to make them feel that they're a part of it, or you've got a problem with yeah. top ten players. And so the Celtics haven't had anyone that they've had to say, you know, he's one of our partners. Probably Rondo wanted it. Rhonda probably wanted it. But yeah. he wasn't it. You don't think Isaiah? I don't think not. Isaiah was. No. No. I don't think he was. Now, it. he would help. Like, he would he would recruit Horford or he would recruit Hayward, but he wasn't in there telling him who to get. Yeah, go do this. I like that. I don't like that. No, but, but I didn't want to, you know, get into a whole back and forth on this part of it, but he was saying how LeBron, and he, he spoke very highly of LeBron, and that's fine, but he was saying how, you know, we would ask him, and, and he, he would never. He, he would wouldn't come, come to us. us. That's baloney. Because he was, he would say it to the media. How many times after games was he saying like, "Oh yeah, we we don't have enough," or like we? It was out well, there. Like well, he maybe, was talking about. Well, maybe, maybe they asked him, "Hey, what do you think of our roster?" And he said, "We don't have enough." Yeah, to but them. the reporters then, asked him that's that. That's what I'm saying. But maybe. But that, I'm saying like that wasn't like a, a behind closed doors. Like, hey, let's let's talk about the roster. Yeah. There was a few articles written last year. And all you get, there's plenty of sound bites, I'm sure, of him talking about how they need more. And I remember you were saying, well, maybe they're talking about the Celtics. I'm like, well, no, they're not. They're talking about the Warriors. He's clearly worried about the Warriors all season long. And that's probably going to remain the same this year, too. Dan Gilbert, that's where, okay, we, I said on the fence with honesty. Okay, that's where we just, he just couldn't, he couldn't give the real answer. The real answer is, come on. Well, so what's next for David Griffin, you think? You just get a, try to get another job? Yeah. Try to get another GM. Yeah, job, because I he was think. trying. I thought to, he was going to. He was I, in on the uh, Knicks. They were talking. Yes, that's right. Knicks conversation. Yeah. I think he wanted the Orlando job. That right. went to somebody. So he'll get another. Job. Went to somebody else. So yeah, I he'll, think he'll get another one. He wants to be a GM. All right, we'll get to your phone calls here next. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven plus. About twenty minutes from now, we will replay our interview with Bill Belichick from this afternoon. Dale is off. It is Holly and Keith. Sports Radio WEEI. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.